0: The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.
1: Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band We've made it. It's 20 years ago today. Yeah. So, this is the introduction to what has been debated for 55 plus years as the greatest album of all time. Yeah. The fictitious band tells us what they're all about rock and roll and old school showmanship. It's pretty good for a song about a band. I never like songs that self reference the band. Sorry, Wilco. The Monkees are one exception. For a song, it's fine. <laughs> considering what it sets up it's great
0: yeah as someone who is like literally flying to iceland to see wilco after we finish recording this uh i must agree uh yeah the monkeys are the only ones who are allowed to reference the band themselves um now as a song on its own it it kind of gets lost to be honest like the guitar works really fun the sound effects are annoying, uh, but what it does do is it sets up what you're about to experience uh, as an album uh, very well.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a preview of the Sgt. Pepper album where the sum is greater than the parts. Like Revolver has uh, has a higher batting average. Yes, but Sgt. Pepper's OPS is higher. <laughs>
0: Um, um, so like this,
1: okay, yeah. well, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. About we're going to get to, we'll that, get to that, that
0: over the next several episodes.
1: Okay.
0: Um, but higher odd base percentage. <laughs> no. Uh, <I'm> the <laughs> well, well, honestly, like just to t- take a pause for a second, like a thing I would really love to do once we complete all, like the whole run of these songs is I would love to get like an average of like where we rated like all these, like, like within the context of these albums, like, what was the what album that we ended up liking the most individually and collectively. I think that could be interesting.
1: That could be interesting. Didn't, uh, to put a pause on your pause, uh, did you want to talk about a uh, fellow, a companion podcast? Oh
0: yes, I did actually. Um, a friend of the pod, Joe Lindbergh, uh, has a podcast that talks about this album specifically, but only, the cover art. It's called "Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Good Time Podcast, and they go through <laughs> <laughs> everyone who's on the album cover uh, of Sergeant Pepper, and uh, they do two people per episode and uh, talk about their history and why the Beatles may have chosen them. And in a fun twist, they run them through an AI conversation.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> the two people. The two people.
0: That's, that's... So, that's clever. So uh, definitely recommend uh, it. It's a it's a fun podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean there are a lot of people to go through. Uh, definitely. So yeah. So as
0: of the first episode, uh, they're talking about uh, uh, Sri. Yuk- uh, <laughs> I can't pronounce it, man. Uh, Alistair Crowley and Sri Yukswar Giri, who is a a guru of sorts.
1: Yeah, the George Georgia probably
0: bit correct. That.
1: Okay, so, how did Sergeant Pepper get struck? Well,
0: it was was 20 years ago today.
1: (laughs) Right. On the Beals' final U.S. tour in 1966, specifically, Paul was struck by the inventiveness of the West Coast hippie groups with names such as Quicksilver, Messenger Service, Jefferson Airplane, and Big Brother and the Holding Company. In November of that year, on a post-holiday flight from Nairobi to England, he came up with the idea of an alter ego for the band, which would perform an entire album before an audience. So on the flight back, McCartney conceived the idea when he was with Mal Evans, and he Mal innocently asked Paul what the letters S and P stood for on the pots on their in-flight meal trays, and McCartney explained it was for salt and pepper, and that somehow led to Sgt. Pepper. According to his diaries, however, Malovitz may have also contributed to the song. Interesting. Jeff Emmerich talks a lot mm. <laughs> uh, about He's it. He's going to talk a lot um, about this
0: record, probably.
1: Yeah. Paul wanted to play a rhythm guitar on the backing track instead of bass, the first time I known him to do that. He simply told John, let me do the rhythm on this. I know exactly what I want. John accepted Paul's instruction without a word of protest and simply picked up a bass guitar. He didn't have any feel for the instrument, though, so we decided to record him on a separate track using a DI box instead of a bass amp. This way, his guide bass part could be replaced later by Paul without any problem of bleed or leakage onto any of the microphones, so he might as well have not plugged in the bass.
0: <laughs> it kept him involved. Yeah, John, you go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shred-, shred away.
1: The Sgt. Pepper theme song was completed in a remarkably short space of time, just two days. including all vocals. Despite the fact... Here's Jeff Emmerich again. Despite the fact that George Harrison spent hours trying to nail down the guitar (laughs) solo... He's such
0: a dick to him.
1: In in the end, Paul preemptorily replaced George's work with a stunning solo of his own, which Harrison was clearly not very happy about, but the storm quickly blew over. Uh, The song was recorded over four days. Uh, That's not what Jeff Emmerich said. On February 1st, 1967, the Beatles tape nine takes of the rhythm track, though only the first and last of these were complete. They recorded drums, bass, and two guitars, the latter played by Paul and George Harrison. The next day, McCartney recorded his lead vocals, and he, Harrison, and John Lennon taped their harmonies. The song was left, left for over a month until the French horns were overdubbed on March 3rd. McCartney also recorded a lead guitar solo, leaving the song almost complete. And then on March 6th, they added the sounds of the imaginary audience and the noise of an orchestra tuning up, a combination of crowd noise from a 1961 recording of the comedy show Beyond the Fringe, and outtakes from the, the February 10th, 1967 orchestral overdub session for A Day in the Life. For the segment, with, with a little help from my friends, meanwhile, they inserted screams of Beatle maniacs from the recordings of the Beatles live at the Hollywood Bowl. It's called Recycling. Mm. In 1967, Jimi Hendrix played the song live at the Savile Theater in Shaftesbury, Shaftesbury Avenue, which was leased by Brian Epstein, only three days after it had been released on record, with Paul and George Harrison in the audience. <laughs> that must have been something. Bold. The song was never performed live by the Beatles, but it was performed by three of the former band members, Paul, George, and Ringo, plus Eric Clapton. On May 19, 1979, at Eric Clapton's wedding party, when he married George's ex, Patty Boyd. That's
0: unfortunate.
1: I'm in love with your wife, mate. Paul and you too played the song at the start of the Live 8 concert in London's Hyde Park on July 2, 2005. The song, starting with It Was 20 Years Ago Today, was chosen among others to commemorate that Live 8 took place approximately 20 years after Live 8. The single was released for charity on iTunes, hitting number 48 on the Billboard Hot 100. Number one on the UK Downloads chart, setting a world record for the fastest-selling online song at the time. 2007, Brian Adams and Stereophonics recorded the album's two versions of the song for It Was 40 Years Ago Today, a TV film with contemporary acts recording the album's songs using the same studio technicians and recording techniques. As the original. Paul performed a song on April 4th, 2009, during a benefit concert at New York's Radio City Music Hall and segmented it to With a Little Help from My Friends, sung by Ringo.
0: Spoiler alert.
1: 2009, I thought it was Billy Cheers. In 2009, Cheap Trick released a live album on DVD called Sgt. Pepper Live, which is a live performance of the entire original album, including the title song and reprise. Uh, on November, on February ninth, two thousand fourteen, during a tribute show commemorating The Beatles' first appearance at the Ed Sullivan Show fifty years earlier, Paul again sang the song. And stars sang with a little help from my friends. The Flaming Lips recorded the song on their track for track tribute album with a little help from my friends, with a W. Released on October twenty seven, two thousand fourteen, and of course, Glim Spanky recorded a covered song for Hello Goodbye. A twenty sixteen tribute album of cu- due to the Beatles,
0: of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Love counts zero. Sergeant Pepper ain't about Mm-mm. that. Josie scale, um, going to give this to Josie, even though it uh, doesn't almost doesn't feel like a song. It, you know, it's yeah, it's the intro.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough to like. I, I mean, I, we're gonna run into this too when we get to Abbey Road, but it's it's tough to like. Divorce this from the whole record and like what it stands for but as a song in itself yeah it's it's a josie the beatles are a pretty nice band talk about them day after day but we also love the outfield a lot so are these songs better than your love the beatles are a pretty nice band someday we'll judge if they're fine oh yeah someday we'll judge if they're fine